Now we give a warm welcome to everyone joining with us for worship today, both those in the building here and those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 95. It's page 357 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of the song, Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us everyone a joyful noise make to the rock of our salvation. We'll sing down to verse 6. O come, and let us worship him. Let us bow down with all and on our knees before the Lord, our Maker, let us fall. Psalm 95, 1-6. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, help us to listen to these songs as we sing them. We pray that we would willingly sing your praises this day. But our confession is that we are such fickle creatures that there are days when we don't want to sing. When we are in the doldrums for one reason or another, we pray that in the words of another of your songs, we would speak with our hearts on days like these and say, Oh, why art thou cast down, 
my soul. Because the reality is that here we are this day and this your day. In the tranquility of this place. And there are many areas of the world that are not afforded this privilege. We pray that we would remember that. We think of worn, torn areas of the world. And in particular we think of the Ukraine at this time. Where people are enduring devastations that we cannot really enter into. We view it from afar. And it is also heartbreaking. But we pray that for those who are in power, who are abusing these positions of power, that they would be removed. Because ultimately authority comes from you and you alone. And we must respect you. The song speaks about us bowing down on our knees before you. And we pray that we would be willing to do that. The song speaks about the spacious sea and the song speaks about the hills. And we look at these things, the phenomena of creation on a day like this, and it reveals so much about you. You are a great God and you are a great King. But these hills and these mountains and these valleys and these seas will not tell us about the biggest predicament of the human race. And how it can be sorted. But you have given us a book of revelation. And we thank you for it. And we pray that we would use it and use it well. That we would glean from it the knowledge that we need. In order for us to find peace in our souls. O Lord our God. We pray that on this day we would use it. Not only for public worship, but for private worship. That we would meditate on you and your ways. That we would come as the poor, wretched, bedraggled sinners that we are. And we would be reminded from your revelation that God was in Christ reconciling such to himself. These are astonishing truths. We pray that we would not cease to wonder at them. But you know us better than we know ourselves. You know that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed even this very day. But the path of repentance is a daily one. And you knew that. And you inbuilt into your covenant with the human race an accommodation to deal with sin. We thank you that that's the way it is. Otherwise we would just be in despair this day. We thank you for the sound of little voices in our midst. Bless them. Bless even the unborn of this congregation. And bless indeed everyone, young and old. Remember those who would be with us today if they could, but who cannot. We thank you for technology that allows them to join in in a limited way. Remember those who could have been here but who have chosen not to for one reason or another. O Lord our God, may we remember that your command to us is do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And may we remember that you are wiser by far than we are. May we listen to you, even when our roving imaginations say something else. Remember us as a nation this day, And have mercy upon us. We are one of those Western democracies that have been so blessed by you, but we have so turned our back on you in our day of liberalities. O Lord, our God, remember those who have the rule over us and give them to know that it is righteousness alone that exalts a nation. Remember those of our number who are in hospital this day. We will remember Millie, bless her, and restore her to health and strength. We remember Alice who is just home from hospital and others who may be suffering in one way or another. Remember those who are coming to terms with the loss of loved ones. O Lord our God, on this Easter Sunday, may we be thankful to you. 
that you are indeed the conqueror of death. We are here because there's an empty grave in the land of Israel. It gives us hope in a world that at times seems so hopeless and indeed apart from Christ is hopeless. So enable us to bless you afresh this day. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now a wee story for the children. I think I told you a story last week about two blackbirds, Blackie and Sooty. Don't know if you can remember them. But I was lying awake this morning at five minutes to five. And I, because the bedroom window is always open, uh, I could hear a blackbird singing away heartily. Five minutes to five. And you might ask, well, how do you know it was so exactly that time? Because on Saturday morning, between four and five, I heard the blackbird singing away. But I couldn't remember later on in the day what time of day I heard it. I knew it was between four and five o'clock. Now, this morning, I was waiting for it, so I would know what time, I just for my own benefit wanted to know when it started singing. So I, and it's not that I wanted to be awake, I would rather have been asleep, but for an hour and a half, I waited, and then I heard it singing. Now last night, because Millie's in hospital, I went down to see this man here, and we were sitting at the kitchen table having a blether, and it was beginning, well, it was, it was dark, it was getting dark, pretty much dark. But just as darkness fell, another blackbird came, and as I was facing the, the window, and I could see the light outside the, the, the door at the back of the house, and this blackbird decided to fly down and land on the light. Now, he wasn't making happy noises. It's the noise that the blackbird makes when he's alarmed or frightened. And I said to Ian, are you hearing that? He said to me, I'm not hearing a thing. I said, oh, you must be hearing that. No, no, I'm not hearing anything. But I was hearing this blackbird making quite a racket. And I said, oh, there must be a cat out there or something. But anyway, it was the noise that the blackbird makes when it's frightened, when it's alarmed, when it's afraid. That's not the noise the blackbird I was making this I was hearing this morning was making. This I knew it was going to be a good day today just by listening to the blackbird. You know, there you know, we just look at these animals, creatures, birds at times and sometimes we think, oh they're stupid. They're they're not stupid at all. None of them are stupid. It reminded me of our dogs. They stay in the porch at the back and they're desperate to get out in the morning. But if the weather doesn't suit them, they have a wee look and off they go back to their beds. They're not remotely interested if it's a damp, dreech morning. And you can, you, I think you can tell by the song of the blackbird. Without, uh, we have the blinds on the window and, and without even looking out the window, you can tell if it's going to be a a good day or not. So that blackbird this morning was really happy because it knew it was going to be a good day. But I wonder if we are happy today. I wonder how we got up this morning. I wonder when we woke this morning, did we think about what day this is? Now, of course, this is Sunday. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Day. But this isn't just any old Sunday. This is Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday, 1,000, uh, oh, let me add, I, I wrote this down because I knew I would forget it when I was standing in front of, uh, of people. 1,989 years ago to this very day, something astonishing happened. And that astonishing thing is that Jesus came out of his tomb. Jesus came out of his, of his grave. 1,989 years ago on this very day. This is the year 2022 and Jesus died when he was 33 and that's how we get the number. But if anyone were to ask us, why on earth are we here today? What are we doing in this building on this particular day? What are we reading this book for and singing the songs that are found and what's that all about and ultimately it's about because Jesus conquered death 
And he did that for one reason and one reason only. That was to make us friends of God again. And that's an astonishing thing that happened. But we'll only be friends of God if we ask Jesus to give us all the good things that he came into this world to give sinners if they want to have them. And so I hope that like the blackbird that was singing happily this morning, I hope that on a day like this, we're singing the songs that Jesus has given to us heartily and happily because Jesus came into this world, died for our sins, rose triumphant over the grave and then returned to heaven, a heaven that we'll go to be with him in one day because he is the saviour of sinners now let's sing another of the songs that we find in the bible it's psalm number 25 it's found on page 231 of the psalter page 231 and it's the first version of psalm 25 and it's at the beginning of the song to thee i lift my soul O Lord, I trust in thee. My God, let me not be ashamed, nor foes triumph o'er me. Let none that wait on thee be put to shame at all. But those that without cause transgress, let shame upon them fall. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 25. To thee I lift my soul. word as we find it in the gospel according to St. Luke at chapter 23 and we'll read at verse 44 Luke's gospel chapter 23 and at verse 44 it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two 
Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the woman who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marvelling at what had happened. Amen. And may God bless to us that reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. O Lord our God, we pray that you would settle our minds and our hearts for the time that we are here. That we might glean from your word sometimes we read it and we are as empty after reading it as we were before we came to it but we come to it in the wrong way so often sometimes life is such a rush that we just don't stop sometimes our minds are filled with so many other things of our own choosing. And at other times they are filled with things not of our choosing, but we can't get rid of them. And even this very house and place can be a an absolute war zone at the spiritual level. But we pray that the tranquility we know that is literal here this day would also be a tranquility in our souls that we might listen and preach in a way that would redound to the honour and the glory of your name. May we remember the astonishing things that happened on this day a long time ago. May we remember that salvation is a gift, a sheer gift. May we accept it gladly and with thankfulness in our hearts. 
Remember us and remember every family represented here, wherever they might be this day across the globe. Have mercy upon them and deal with them in your tender mercy. O Lord our God, help us to remember that soon our days will be over. May we face the final enemy with our hands solidly in your hand. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise from the same song, Psalm 25, first verse on page 231 of the Psalter, and it's at verse 6. Thy tender mercies, Lord, I pray thee to remember, and loving kindnesses, for they have been of old forever. My sins and faults of youth do thou, O Lord, forget. After thy mercy think on me, and for thy goodness great. We'll sing verses 6 to 10 of Psalm 25. Thy tender mercies, Lord. passage that we've read in Luke's Gospel chapter 24 and we'll read again at the beginning of the chapter but on the first day of the week at early dawn they went uh, to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified. And on the third day rise. Now let's by God's enabling seek to explore something of this area of scripture. Now there's far too much in what we have read to uh, speak about everything. But I want us to look at three things 
uh, today. First of all, we want to look at what I can only call ardent love on, behalf, on, on, on the part of these women that came to put these sweet-smelling spices on the body of uh, Jesus. The second thing we want to look at is what I would call aching fear. Because we read that these women were perplexed and that they were frightened. And we want to explore a bit of that. And the third thing we want to look at is what we might call angelic explanation. Because there are angels there and they have something to say to these women. And it's a marvellous explanation of the things that have actually uh, gone on. Well, first of all, ardent love, and it is ardent love. You know, God in his wisdom has decided that uh, the functioning of the organization that we know of as the church in this world is to be overseen by men, either elders or uh, deacons. And there's nothing sexist about that. There's nothing... That would uh, offend anybody in terms of equalities. It's not an argument between men and women. Uh, It's an issue of what is the prerogative of God. And the prerogative of God is to make choices that he deems appropriate. He doesn't have to explain himself to us. And like any other organization, and we looked at this when we were coming up to the election of office bearers recently, it doesn't matter what kind of organization you have in this world. It needs parameters, it needs boundaries, it needs rules. Otherwise, you have anarchy and no organization can uh, function without some kind of uh, parameters. And God has given us his parameters in the word of God and he has made it very clear that it's the function of men to be elders and deacons and that's not a function that he has given as far as we can see uh, to, 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 to women. It's the same with the saviour that comes into this world. Why is Jesus male? Why is he not female? That's the prerogative of God and that's the choice God makes. And we need to listen to God. And even if we don't understand what God's doing, we listen to God and we render obedience to him. That having been said, my own experience of the church is this. Without the input of women, every church I know of would fail. Everybody has a gift. In fact, everybody has several gifts. Every believer has gifts that they can use or they may choose not to use for the glory of God. But uh, my experience is that women uh, are pretty much the backbone of virtually every church I observed. We would fail without them. And it's very interesting that around the cross of Jesus of Nazareth there were many of the women who were good friends of Jesus. The men are pretty scarce. Or at least I should say as far as we know the disciples are pretty scarce. There was only one of them that we have a record of being there and that was John. And here we are on what we might call in this passage of scripture that we're looking at we are looking at the resurrection morn or we might want to call it the Easter morning and these women are up and out of the city of Jerusalem at the crack of dawn in fact the the, 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 the narrators of the gospel give us a different slants and that some say it was uh, at dawn and, and someone else will say whilst it was yet dark and these are not contradictions it looks as if they were on their way whilst it was still dark and by the time they get to the tomb uh, the dawn has come in and, uh, and, and that makes the record all the more authentic it's not a case of one sitting down and copying the other it was a dangerous thing to do what they did because these cities in those days 
were walled cities and uh, at night time the gates were shut and they were only opened when the sun rose again in the morning and to be outside these walls was a dangerous place to be because there were many who made their living from banditry just robber and uh, these, men, these women knew that and so it wasn't a very safe thing for them to be doing whilst it was yet dark but there's something that's overcoming all the fears of these women and that's why we call this ardent love because at the close of the previous chapter we read that uh, the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment you know one of the things that's causing the western world that we are a part of to fall apart is we have or at least we're trying or some people are trying to get rid of the foundations you know I got a book token the other day from somebody and I very much appreciated the book token and I know exactly what I'm going to do with it I'm going to buy Douglas Murray's latest book The War on the West now we know there's a war going on in Ukraine just now but Douglas Murray is talking about another war and that's a war that's engineered by the devil to destroy everything that is sacred to God it wants to destroy the family it wants to destroy the sacredness of this day it wants to destroy the institution of marriage it wants to destroy the, the integral function of work in a wholesome society everything that God would have us be and do it wants it eliminated and you think has it been successful it has been very successful and you think I used to think how on earth has it been so successful but then you hear of people like George Soros giving a donation of 18 billion US dollars to his open society foundation you might think well that's over in America it may be over in America but it comes right to our doorstep it's coming right into our schools and it's coming right into our institutions and it wants to destroy what is sacred uh, what is sacred uh, to, to, to God and you know I don't endorse everything that Douglas Murray does and is but I would say this much about him he's got his finger on the pulse as to what's happening to our western democracies and it's not good it is not good and uh, all of his last three books excellent reading excellent reading and uh, and uh, well 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 researched but his latest one I haven't read it yet it's just out it's it's the war on the west and it is a war it's a real war and it's a scary war and sadly a lot of people don't even realize it's uh, it's going on but here were these women and they recognized this day the Sabbath day and you know he tells us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy we have six days to work in there's one taken out we need it to, to, to rest our physical bodies but we are more than body we are, we are soul one of the songs that we've sung today oh thou my soul bless God the Lord Maybe I've got that wrong, have I? But at any rate, at any rate, we need to use the Sabbath day not just for public worship, but for private worship, to read God's Word, to meditate upon it, and to think things through. One of the things that we are mandated to do as believers is to know the times and the seasons. And I think that means to know what's going on around you. To know what's going on around you. And what's going on around us is not good. It is a war. It is a war. But here were these women 
And all, you might well say, well, all they wanted to do was to go and so shun, so, show some respect to the dead body of a good friend. But they so respected the Sabbath day that they said, no, we'll wait. There's a lot for us to learn there. But what is it they want to do? They want to take these spices and they want to anoint the body of Jesus. And we, we understand why they didn't do it earlier. Because their execution of Christ was done ultimately in a great rush. It was sheer hypocrisy. And what I mean by that is this. These church leaders that were behind the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth, they were wicked, they were evil. But they were also very religious. And they thought, well, there's one thing we can't have. Uh, we can't have bodies hanging on a cross on a holy day. We can't have that. That's why the legs of the two other malefactors that were crucified alongside Jesus were actually broken to hurry up their deaths so that they could get the horrible macabre scene out of the way for their holy day. But Jesus was already dead so they didn't need to break his legs. That was also a fulfilment of scripture. Not a bone of his body shall be broken. Everything to the absolute last T is in its place. Nothing chaotic. Nothing falling apart. Nothing. And so they didn't get the opportunity to express their love for Jesus in this way of putting these spices on his, his body. But the first moment that will afford them the opportunity of doing that, they will take it. They will grasp it with both hands. And that's what they do. And the fear of these bandits outside the city wall, I'm quite sure it was a real fear, but, you know, there was something else that overcame all their fears. And you know, there was another thing on their mind. How on earth were they going to move that large stone that was rolled up to the entrance of what effectively was the cave that was the tomb that was the grave site of Jesus of Nazareth. They might well have sat in their homes and said, well, I don't know how we're going to shift that stone. We better work out a plan. And if it was a Presbyterian church, they would probably better get a committee onto this one. But ardency of love was such. We're going. And they went. Now I've often wondered, is there something equivalent to what they did in our culture today? And I think the nearest thing that comes to it is, we, when someone dies, will put flowers on the grave. Now before I say anything more, I'm not against that. But what I would like to know is where it has come from. It's an expression of respect and there's nothing at all wrong with that. But you will sometimes get people and at funerals they will say no flowers please. But if you want to give a donation in lieu put it to this charity or whatever. And, and that's fine as well. That's fine as well. And there's nothing wrong with the flowers. But I've often wondered what is an attempt are doing and you can look at it at different levels it's, it's a way of showing respect and that's fine but then what is it that these flowers are trying to brighten up well at the end of the day it's death and you know that seems to me to be an incredibly feeble way of tackling death But be that as it may, I suspect that that's got something to do with it, of the history of it. How thankful we should be today 
that we've got another way of dealing with the issue of death. And that's not to present it or to colour it up with flowers. It's to go much deeper than that. It's to turn to the conqueror of death and find hope in the midst of it. That's what we've got. And that is a precious, precious uh, gift. But I was talking about the ardency of the love of these women, and it was ardent love. It was ardent uh, love. But it's not just love. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord uh, Jesus. They never expected that. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So these women are perplexed. And these women are afraid. No wonder they were perplexed. They went there to anoint the body of a good friend. They went there with the full expectation that he would be there and they would be able to do what they wanted to do. I know that they didn't expect Jesus to die. Or at least they didn't want him to die. That itself had sent them reeling. And they are still in shock. And you know, in shock people can do us amazing things. People can do things that they would never do at any other time. Never do at any other time. And these women are still in, uh, in deep, deep shock. Do you remember the dynamics of the day some of these women run into the city to tell what they have discovered and one of these women is left all on her own, Mary Magdalene. And she's broken. She's absolutely broken. And she hears someone behind her speaking to her and she thinks it's the gardener and she has no expectation in all the world of a risen Jesus, none whatsoever. In her brokenness she's saying, look, if you know where they've hidden him, tell me. Why? Because I want to go and I want to anoint I want to see this body. I want to be in contact with it. I want to interact with it. And I want to respect it. And I want to... I want to anoint it. That is one of the things about death. Um, it's an enemy. And it causes separation. But even when someone dies, there is still something that you want to... You just want to hold on to. And I think there's something good and wholesome about that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the bottom line is you can't. You can't. But because of what's going on here on the part of Jesus of Nazareth, it's not as if that division is going to remain forever. And that's a marvellous ray of hope into the darkness and the sadness of death. I still want to interact with him. I still want to see him. I still want to anoint him. But you see what that's saying all along. She firmly believes he's totally and utterly dead. And then Jesus speaks to her in a very familiar way. Mary, Mary. And it dawns upon her. And it just elates her soul. Now I think Jesus still speaks to his people in, that, in a similar kind of way, you know. Sometimes you can read the Bible and it's as dry and as arid as the Sahara. But there are other times 
and it just comes alive and it speaks to your soul and it's like a balm it's just like a balm what's happening? well it isn't that you and I have changed we're still the sinners we've always been well what else has changed? He, he speaks and it is such a blessing when he speaks peace into our souls we don't get it often but I think we do get it sometimes as Spurgeon would say sometimes he brings heaven to our souls here in this world and it's a wonderful experience and it was uh, Mary and she knows it's him she knows it's him He's not dead at all. He's not dead at all. But there was this perplexity. And there was this fear. But there was something else as well. And that's the angelic explanation. And we find that in verses 5 to 7. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you he was still in Galilee. But the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. What was the problem with these women? Why were they so broken hearted? Why were they in such disarray? Why were they so flat and deflated? For the exact same reasons that you and I are so often these things. They didn't listen to the words of Jesus. And here are these angels, two of them. And remember what an angel is. The word angelos means messenger. But we then ask, well, whose messengers? They're God's messengers. These were holy angels. Now, there are holy angels and there are unholy angels. And the unholy angels are demons. They are the part of the angelic world that has rebelled against God. And the angelic world that has rebelled against God is destined for hell. And there is no hope. None whatsoever. None. You and I are spiritual beings. Unlike these angels, we also have bodies and our spirits dwell within our bodies. But also unlike these fallen angels, we do have hope. We have rebelled against God and we have sinned against him in an astonishing way. But there is still hope for the human race, unlike the demonic world. But these are not demons, these are holy angels. And they've come with a message. And the message is in the form of a question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? They should have known. But it's not just the women that have the problem. Every last one of these disciples had the problem as well. They did not listen to the words that Jesus gave to them. He made it clear again and again and again that he would die and on the third day he would rise. And you remember how that resurrection is described. It's the demonstration that he was indeed the Son of God. The resurrection is a manifestation of the power of God proving that he was indeed the Son of God. Now he said it from the very word go. His very first miracle was changing water into wine. They were there at that wedding and they were saying to him, How, how did you do that? How did you do that? And he told them, I am the Son of God. 
And the church leadership of the day said, no, you're not. That's blasphemy. These are terrible lies. You are not. But he said, yes, I am. And the ultimate proof that he was who he said he was is this empty tomb. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. And they laughed him to scorn. The temple, the literal temple in Jerusalem took 46 years to build. And you're going to put it back together again in three days? Don't be ridiculous. But he wasn't being ridiculous. He was talking about the temple that was himself. His body. Destroy it. And in three days I will raise it. That's only one of a clear indication of what Christ said was going to happen. But they weren't listening. They were not listening. And that's why they are invaded by perplexity and fear. And that's why we are invaded by perplexities and fears as well. Because we're not listening. But these angelic beings are messengers of God sent to challenge them with something. Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And these words have reverberated down over two millennia. And these words have penetrated the lives and hearts of individuals. And I hope they've penetrated the lives of every heart and individual here this day. Just to say one thing and one thing only. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We are here today because there's an empty tomb in the land of Israel. And yes, we too live with fears and perplexities. Because we, every last one of us, will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death as well. But we've got more than flowers to throw at death. We have the conqueror of death to take us by the hand and to master it all for us. And there is no gift on the face of this planet quite like that. This is Easter Sunday. This is the Sunday that reminds us of the death of Jesus. But we can never, ever, ever stop at that. This is the Sunday that reminds us, or we should say the Lord's Day that reminds us, of the death and the triumph over death, of the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, on behalf of poor, bedraggled, wretched sinners such as you and I. May we rejoice afresh in his salvation this day. And may we bow all over again in his presence. Again today. Let's conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 92. It's at verse 12. It's page 353 of the Psalter. At verse 12. But like the palm tree flourishing shall be the righteous one. He shall like to the cedar grow that is in Lebanon. Those that within the house of God are planted by his grace. They shall grow up and flourish all in our God's holy place. We'll sing to the end of the song. Psalm 92 at verse 12. But like the palm tree flourishing.
may grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forevermore.